Thanks for joining us online today. If you'd like to be a part of the conversation, we would love for you to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We hope that you enjoy the message. What is up, Next Level Church? Welcome, everybody, to part five of our Breathing Room series. And let me just say welcome to all of our services happening all weekend long at our Plantation Campus, as well as our services at our Gateway Campus. Those of you who are watching on our app, man, joining us online, welcome to all of you. And I'm so excited about this big summer series that we're calling Breathing Room. Let me uh, also say this real quick. You've heard us this weekend talking about our Discover events. And you guys, this gets me pumped because as we head into the fall season, uh, we at Next Level Church have completely retooled our Discover event. So let me let let me say this. Uh, listen, if you've never been to the Discover events here at Next Level Church, this is your next step. So make sure you take advantage of that. All the excuses are gone. It happens during the second service of whatever day you attend, whatever campus you attend, second service. I love that. You do not want to miss our Discover events. That is your next step. Well, uh, you've heard us, if you've been around Next Level Church for any period of time, talking about the fact that the theme that we have felt so compelled this year as a, as a pastoral leadership team to really just continue to key in on and hit over and over and over again is this theme of slave to free. Slave to free. And of course, uh, there's actually one of our, sh- our t-shirts that our team put together, some of our summer swag, as they're calling it. One of them actually says slave to free. Maybe you've seen that t-shirt. Well, the reason why is because as we went into this year, we decided as a pastoral team that we really felt strongly that the Lord was speaking to our hearts and saying, listen, for the entire year, keep coming back to this idea of moving from slave to free people living in freedom in every single area of their life. And honestly, that's why we're doing this six-week big summer series that we're calling Breathing Room, because our heart, our desire is for us to create breathing room in so many areas of our life. And we understand that if we don't create breathing room, then we'll never be able to move from slave to free in every area of our life. And so we've been hitting a, a number of different topics. Well, this weekend... I want us to talk about this idea of creating breathing room in terms of work and rest in our life. Work and rest. Now, let me say this. According to the Bible, we were created to work. Let me be very clear about that. The Bible tells us in no explicit terms, uh, uncertain terms, that, that we were created to work. In other words, God's will, God's best for us is that every single one of us as human beings would be productive, that we would add value to our world, that we would not just be takers, that we would not just come and leave the world worse, but by working, by being productive, we actually add value to our world. We make it better. And that is uh, is, is God-like in our life, that when we are productive, we are creative beings like our creator, we add value. So that is the power of work, and we have to understand that. And here's what I know. I know that God's desire for every one of us is that each one of us would find that which we love to do, that which makes us feel strong, and that we would spend our lives doing that. And maybe you're like me, that you have figured out what that is. I talk to leaders all the time. I talk to to different people in the business world or in the ministry world or just in general, general, where they say that to me. They're like, Matt, man, I feel like every day I get up and I go to work and I'm alive and I love to work and I love to get to do what I do. I am in my sweet spot. I know that's true for me. That um, I've been in the ministry for over 20 years now and it really feels like in the last two or three years. 
that I've kind of hit my stride, that I feel like, man, I, uh, that which I was created to be and to do and, you know, to be productive in terms of using a teaching gift and a writing gift and that leading gift that's in me, like, I feel like I am in my sweet spot. But any one of us who, who knows what it is to kind of have a job we love to get up and go to every day and we feel fulfilled and we're impacting people through, any one of us, we know that too much of a good thing it can not be a good thing, right? Like apples are good for you, but if somebody said you have to eat 100 apples a day for 100 days straight, you'd get a little tired of apples. Like it's like, okay, so it's a good, and that's where I found myself a year or so ago in this place where it was like, man, I love this. I've never been more in my sweet spot. This is amazing, but oh, this is a lot of work. Like that's what we're feeling. Now, some of us, we're on the other side of that. And we haven't, we haven't felt that. We haven't found a job that we're passionate about or that we love. And let me just say this to you. Okay, listen, even if every day when you get up, you, you, you aren't just in love and this isn't the end all be all for you, we are still called by God to be productive, to work, to provide for our family. Work is a necessity of life. And we are called to be productive. Now, let me also add this though. For the sake of conversation this weekend, not only are we called to work, work is a necessity of life, but so is rest. And I am more convinced than ever that one of the greatest epidemics in our world today is a lack of rest. Now, I recognize that's a big statement. I get it. That's a bit. Now, whoa, 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 Matt. Really, all of, I mean, Matt, we've got some serious problems in our world today. Yeah. But I would challenge you that the epidemic of a lack of rest in so many of our lives is a big deal. And here's why. Because when there is a lack of rest, when we have a lack of rest in terms of the rhythm, the pace of our life, our decision-making goes down. We, are, we don't think straight. We cannot reach our destiny until this idea of rest is a part of the rhythm of our lives. In other words, we as human beings, and especially we as followers of Jesus, need permission to rest. And that is what this weekend is all about. If we're going to talk about this idea of breathing room, then listen, we need permission to rest. Maybe more for some of us, more than anything else we would want in our life. We need permission to rest. So, Here's what we're going to do. This weekend, I want to talk about what the Bible has to say about rest. Or for those of you who are overly spiritual, I want to preach on the theology of rest. Okay, so there you go. Just in case, you know, you don't, well, boy, I wish, okay, so this is, it's all just theology, okay? So we're just, just going to unpack what the Holy Scriptures say, so we're clear. In other words, for the rest of us, here's what the Bible has to say about rest. Okay, ready? Let's do that. Let me start with this premise. From the beginning, when you study Scripture and talk in terms of this idea of rest, we have to understand that from the beginning, God built rest into the fabric of creation, God built rest into it, and when we embrace rest in terms of the rhythm of our life, it unlocks amazing things, amazing blessings in our life. But when we ignore it, when we push away from the rhythm of rest in our life, it exacts a great price from us. Now, the Bible uses a, a several terms and ideas for this idea of rest, but one of the prominent words that the Bible uses for rest is the word Sabbath. 
See, I told you it was going to be deep. I told you there's deep theology here. Okay, so let's do this. Matter of fact, whatever service you're in right now, whatever campus you're at, on the count of three, let's all say the word Sabbath together, just so I know you're out there. Ready? One, two, three. Sabbath. Okay, look at that. You're getting more spiritual by the minute. I'm telling you, it works. So, so let's talk about it. Come on. What is rest according to the Bible? What is the Sabbath? Well, when you came into your campus, you're handed a bulletin. Pull that out. Inside of there's a slip of paper with some fill in the blanks, or you can go to our app as well, and you can follow along with my message notes there uh, if you want to do it digitally as well. Because here's the first thing we need to know about Sabbath, about this idea of what the Bible says about rest, and it's this. Number one, rest is a big deal. According to the Bible, rest is a big deal. And the truth is, this idea of rest has been around since creation. That when you go all the way back to the beginning of Scripture, Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, where God creates the heavens and the earth, where he creates everything that we know, the earth, and everything that we know, in the midst of creation, God introduces the idea of rest. Look, Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 says this, but by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, creating the whole world and everything in it, all the universe or whatever. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. He introduces the idea of rest. Verse 3, then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that Uh, creating that he had done. So right from the start, God models for us a pattern of rest that he wants us to be about in our lives. And here's the pattern. Six days of work, one day of rest. Six days of work, one day of rest. Six days of work, one day of rest. That was the pattern. And did you catch the, he actually put a blessing on the day of rest. So for some of you, this is the best news you've heard in a really long time. According to the Bible, there is a blessing on you when you do nothing. That's awesome. God blessed the Sabbath. It is a big deal. And so from the beginning of creation, God said, hey, I want to lay out for my people this pattern of work for six days, take a day of rest. Work for six days, take a day of rest. Build rest into the rhythm of your life. Now, let me continue with the story because by the time you get to the end of the book of Genesis and into the book of Exodus, God's people, the children of Israel, have become enslaved in Egypt. And some of you who've been around this year, you've heard us talking about the slave to free thing. We've referenced the children of Israel and Moses a lot of times. Well, we're going to go back to that. Here's why. Because the children of Israel find themselves in slavery for 430 years. 430 years. Okay, listen. That means they have worked for 156,950 days in a row without a day off. And you thought your boss was a slave driver. Think of it. 430 years, 156,950 days in a row of going to work. So God speaks to a man named Moses and he says, Moses, I want you to go back and I want you to be the deliverer of my people. I want you to go and confront Pharaoh and he's not going to be receptive to your message, but I'm going to send these 10 plagues and it's really cool stuff going on. You really should read the Bible if you don't because it's exciting. It's crazy. 
But eventually Pharaoh's going to relent. He's going to let you just lead the people out. I'm going to part the Red Sea. Charlton Heston's going to be there. We're going to make movies. It's going to be incredible. VeggieTales are going to sing songs about it. It's going to be amazing. And Moses is like, dude, I'm in. So he probably didn't call God dude. I embellished that. So God, Moses goes back, confronts Pharaoh. It happens just as God said. Parts the Red Sea. They get out on the other side. And so they're there, and now God wants to take this family who's been in slavery for 400 plus years, and he wants to start making them into a nation. Well, to do that, he takes Moses up onto a mountain called Mount Sinai, and he gives him what we know to be the Ten Commandments. And he leads these people out, and he says, Moses, now that they are free people, I want you to remember something. And he takes him up and he gives him the Ten Commandments, right? The big, of all of the things that God could have said, these are the ten most important. These are the big ten. Get it. Look what he says. Look at this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Is it possible that maybe, just maybe, God said it this way to Moses? Remember the Sabbath day? I know it's been 400 plus years and you guys haven't had a day off. But when you go back to the very beginning, my pattern for my people is always six days and one day of rest. Remember the Sabbath day, Moses, by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Isn't it amazing that God made breathing room, rest, one of the Ten Commandments? Don't kill people, don't sleep with other people's wives, and take a day off. What? Why? Why would God make it on par with not killing one another? Because it's that big of a deal. God wants us, his people, to understand the rhythm of rest that he created for our lives. It is a big deal. So what's the deal? Number one, according to scripture, Rest or the Sabbath is a big deal. Number two, write it down. Rest or the Sabbath is a gift. Rest is a gift. Now, that was Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. But if you rewind four chapters to Exodus chapter 16. Again, the children of Israel have been delivered out. They're on the other side. They're trying to figure out how we make it in life. And so, and they're trying to figure out how we're going to feed all of us. And so God institutes this feeding program, if you will, where he basically introduces manna. So here's the children of Israel and they're, you know, every day they would go to sleep at night and then God would miraculously provide this like white substance, like manna and it'd fall on the ground. And then every morning his people would come out, they would collect manna. But here was the deal. They couldn't save it from one day to the next because God wanted to teach them daily dependence on him. And so he said, man, if you save it, it's going to have maggots. It's going to get disgusting. It's going to rot. It's going to be gross. So you can't save it from one day to the next. So they start to get accustomed to this whole rhythm. But then in Exodus chapter 16, look, God uh, speaks to Moses and here's what he says. Verse 22, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much as usual, four quarts for each person instead of two. 
Then all the leaders of the community came and asked Moses for an explanation. He told them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow, speaking of the seventh day, the Sabbath, will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. What's happening? Here's what's happening. God told them, okay, for six days, you go out and only collect as much as you need for one day. If you keep any of it overnight, it'll rot, except on the sixth night. Then you get to collect two days worth. And I will do a miracle and make sure that it doesn't rot. Why? So that you can have a whole day of rest. Think of that. How incredible is that? God's giving them the gift of a day of rest where you don't even have to go out and collect the food I'm trying to give you. But check this out. Look what these people do. Verse 27. Some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. Verse 28. The Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? And I can imagine Moses looking back at God and going, I know. They're your people. You wanted to do all this. How long? How long are they going to not get it? Continues on. The Lord asked, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? They must Realize, God said, that the Sabbath, look at this, is the Lord's gift to you. Listen, the Sabbath, this idea of the rhythm of rest in our life is is a big deal to God and it is a gift from God. I think so many of us have thought of the Sabbath or this day of rest as, as like a command of God and we're good for that. But, did we, but so often we lose sight of the fact that it is a gift. God says, listen, 156,950 days in a row, not including leap years, because we don't know if they did that kind of thing back then. Which, by the way, if you were born on leap year, you're aging surprisingly well. <laughs> and sorry. Like, you got to pick a different day. Like, how horrible is that? Wouldn't want to be you. Sorry, I kind of got myself in this little cul-de-sac of awkwardness and I don't know how to get myself out. Look, a bird! 156,950 days of work in a row and God goes, I am going to give you the greatest gift ever. Now, instead of having to work all those days in a row, every six days, you get a freebie. You get one off. And isn't it interesting that it says that they ended up going out anyway? They were so in the habit, so in the rhythm. And, and how funny is it that you and I can read this story and kind of look on in judgment and go, shame, shame, I know your name. Like, right? Like, we look on and we're like, man, those guys, they just didn't get it. They were clueless. Isn't it funny that we can look on to them? And feel that way, and yet when we look at our own lives, we go, yeah, but Matt, you don't understand, I'm busy, but I mean, I got all these things, and if I don't do it, who will? I mean, I'm a one-person, you know, deal in my office, and I'm the only one, and if I don't have my phone with me, and if I don't have reminders set, then Matt, it's not going to get done, and if I don't get it, okay, isn't it interesting that we'll look in judgment to the children of Israel, and we'll look past ourselves? It's the same rhythm. He's the same God. If we're ever going to move from slave to free, we've got to recognize that the Sabbath rest is a great and generous gift from God. I have a friend who texted me recently a picture of himself standing in front of this beautiful, brand new, bright red Ferrari. And in the text, he said, I love this. He said, 
So I had a friend who was leaving town for a year. This is a true story. And he needed a place to store his Ferrari. <laughs> Told him I had an extra spot in my garage if he would want to use it. And this is the text. And much to my surprise, my friend said, absolutely. And he gave me the key. So here's my friend standing there selfie and with the car keys and the Ferrari and told me to use it like it was my own for an entire year. Favor. That's what his last text said. His last send, send, send. He got to the last one. The fourth text, it just said favor, exclamation point. Okay, so imagine here's this guy who's been given this incredible expensive Ferrari to drive for a year. No strings attached, drive it like it's your own, enjoy it, I want you to have it. Now imagine how offended the guy who owned the Ferrari would be if a year later my friend had never taken it out of the garage. And he comes back a year later and he's like, hey, how was the car? It's amazing, corners like it's on rails, doesn't it? Incredible, right? And my friend's like, well, you know, it, was, it just seemed like a lot of work and I'd have to put gas in it if I took it out. Imagine how offended his friend would be to give him this great, expensive, extravagant gift only to have my friend look him in the face and basically go, no thanks. And my fear, Next Level Church, is that so many of us do that with this amazing, extravagant gift called a day of rest, the Sabbath. And we look God in the face and we go, yeah, but God, you don't understand how busy I am. Yeah, but God, I mean, I never really got around to drive it. Yeah, but I mean, thanks, but everything depends on me and my world. So come on. Rest is a big deal to God. Rest is a gift. Number three, rest is a mindset. See, God is more interested in changing our thinking than he is changing our circumstances. And for some of us, listen, this is a word from God for some of us. The Sabbath is not about a rule. It's about, it's about a mindset shift. It's about our heart. Before we can keep a Sabbath day, we have to cultivate a Sabbath heart. And some of you, that's God's word for you this weekend. Come on, get that. That for you, it's a mindset thing. It's a heart thing. You can't get it past your own thick skull that God wants you to rest. You were not created to go, 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 go. It's a mindset. Okay, so in scripture, there are two words. Whenever the Bible talks about time, when you go back to the original language, Greek, which the majority of the Bible is written in, there are two predominant words used for time. The first word is chronos. Chronos. Now, some of us probably recognize this. Now, watch this. Chronos is this. That time is a slave-driving master. Chronos means time is a slave-driving master. The other word for time that the Bible uses is kairos. Kairos. And here's what kairos means. Kairos means time is a gift. Look at the difference. Chronos Time is a master, a slave driving master. It is a drum beat that keeps going and the appointments keep popping up and it is a just do, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. That's Kronos. And so much of our life is lived on Kronos. But the Bible says that there's this other kind of time called Kairos. Watch this. Kronos, Kronos asks, I want to get this right. What time is it? Kairos asks, what is it time for? 
One is a slave-driving master. The other is an attitude, a heart, an expectation of rest that says, God, this is your time. This is your kairos. What do you want to do in this time? And for some of us, we need a mindset shift in our life this weekend because we have always and only ever looked at time as chronos. Got to get it done. Got to get it done. Got to go. Got to go. Got to go. Got to go. But God would say, I want you to start seeing some of your time as kairos. That's what the Sabbath is. It's a big deal to God. It's a gift and it is a mindset. Number four, write it down. Rest is essential to long-term health and success. What is rest? Rest is essential, according to scripture, to long-term health and success. Think about it. Everything in our world is created to rest periodically. Like, take your car, for example. Our car can run for a lot of miles, right? It can go a long, long time. But even a hybrid, after a while, runs out of gas and has to be refueled, right? Even you have to change the oil. What is that? Those are intentional rest points for a car, okay? The knives in our drawers, even the most expensive, best ones, the blades become dull eventually. Light bulbs eventually burn out. Shoes eventually wear out. Come on, ladies. Everything in our world eventually needs rest, And here's what I've discovered, that we will experience diminishing returns and results in every area of our life if we don't rest well. Here's what I've discovered. I'm a better parent when I have occasional rests from my kids. I'm a better employer. I'm a better team member. I'm a better leader when I have occasional rests. Rests. Everything improves when we escape for a moment. And here's the deal. Listen, at some point, we are going to have to overcome the fear, the guilt, And the addiction to progress, the addiction to adrenaline that comes with work, and we love it. At some point, we're going to have to overcome the pressure we feel from the world around us that is always on chronos, always on time, always go, 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 appointments, appointments, schedules, schedules, go, go, go. At some point, we're going to have to push through the fear and the guilt and the addiction and the pressure that we feel and actually come to a rest. The way I see it, honestly, is we can either acknowledge it and start to build rest into the rhythm of our life, or we can wait for someone in the medical profession to do it for us. Let me save you some doctor visits and some time and just tell you God's will for your life is to work, but God's will for your life is also for you to rest. So how do we do that? Well, three ways that we do that. Number one, first way we do that is we have to define it right. We have to define this idea of Sabbath right. Now, the best definition of Sabbath that I've ever come across says it this in two ways. Ready? What is the Sabbath? Sabbath is ceasing from what is necessary and embracing that which gives us life. 
ceasing from what is necessary and embracing that which gives us life. So if we're ever going to Sabbath well, if we're ever going to rest well, if we're ever going to combat this epidemic, if you will, called a lack of rest in our world, then the first thing we've got to do is we've got to define it right. So here's the question. Ceasing from what is necessary. How are you doing at that? How are we doing at ceasing from what is necessary? At putting the phone down? At, at turning it off? How are we doing at shutting the reminders off? Ceasing from what is necessary. How are we doing at embracing that which gives us life? How are we doing at that? See, if we're ever going to learn to rest well, then we've got to cease from what is necessary from time to time. And we've got to embrace that which gives us life. So listen, if mowing the lawn gives you life, then do it on your day off. Great. If it doesn't, then figure out another time to do it. Figure out another strategy for that. If shopping doesn't give you life, what's wrong with you? <laughs> My mom raised me better than that, okay? I'm just telling you. We have a prayer team. What? I'm just kidding. Seizing what is necessary. Embracing that which gives us life. How do we do this? How do we do this? Three practical baby steps to start to build rest into the rhythm of our life in a more comprehensive way. One, we've got to define it right. Two, we've got to get a hobby or two. Get a hobby or two. What's your hobby? How do I define hobby? Here's how I define hobby. Anything you can't turn into a job. That's how I define hobby. So I used to write as a hobby, and then I wrote a book, and then I wrote another one, then I wrote another one. I turned writing into a job, and so it's no longer a hobby. A hobby is anything you can't turn into a job. So you know what? And here's what I discovered a long time ago. Nobody else gets to judge your hobby. It's your hobby. We joke oftentimes about how much I love baseball. Guess what? Baseball is my hobby. It's my family's hobby. We love it. And it's my hobby. You don't have to love it. You have to go get your own hobby. Or get me free tickets and we'll hobby together. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you. It may take you months. It may take you a couple of years. When we coach pastors and leaders, I tell them that. You need a hobby, and it may take you a couple of years to figure out what yours is. That's okay. Get on it. Start working on it. Listen, I'm telling you, we have so many, even ministry friends, who don't know how to rest well. It's an epidemic in the church world. I think one of the keys to success for Sarah and I over now two decades of doing ministry and, and high-level leadership like we have is that we hobby well. We rest well. Well, we look on at so many of, our, of people we're in relationship, other leaders, and we go, they don't know how to rest. They don't have hobbies, and it's killing them. We have to define it right. We have to get a hobby or two. How do we do this? How do we build rest into the rhythm of our life? Here's how we have to put up boundaries and protect it and fight for it like crazy. Here's the deal. Listen. Nobody is going to police you on this. At some point, we're going to have to own the importance of rest in our life. No fear, no guilt, no condemnation. Put down the addiction to adrenaline and progress that come with work. 
and recognize that there is a blessing on rest, on doing nothing, on ceasing from what is necessary and embracing that which gives us life. There is a blessing when we move off of Kronos and embrace Cairo for just a little while. There's a blessing on breathing room. Let's pray together. Can we bow our heads? Come on, whatever service you're in. Father, I pray. I pray for every single person who's listening this weekend. God, I pray that you would help us. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit who convicts, who doesn't condemn, but convicts, would do just that. Lord, I thank you that even right now you're convicting some people of a lack of rest in their life. God, they're paying a price. It is exacting consequences on them, on their health, on their relationships, and it's time for a change. And so, Father, this weekend we commit to creating breathing room, to the process of beginning to build rest into the rhythm of our life because, Lord, we know then and only then can we truly move from being a slave to living in freedom. God, that is what we all want. So Lord, I pray blessing upon us as we make strides toward creating greater breathing room and rest in the midst of our work lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone at every service who agreed to it, amen. If your life has been impacted through this ministry, we would love to hear your story. Send us an email to mystory@nextlevelchurch.com. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. Also, if you want to support what God is doing here, you can do so through our website, nextlevelchurch.com. Your generosity is making an impact here and around the world. Thank you so much for joining us online and have a great week.